Great job, Chad, and uh, welcome to Church Mercy Road. Uh, my name is Pastor Mike Lotzer. If I have, if I have not met you, uh, so glad to be with you here in worship. And if you're joining us online, we're glad that you are with us as well. I'm going to grab my stool here. Uh, we've been in a sermon series called Lessons from Lockdown. Today is such an exciting day because Cross of Christ Church is joining the Mercy Road Church family. So we're pausing in, from that series. We'll pick that up in a few weeks. But what I'd like to uh, compare this church merger to would be a marriage in many ways because Pastor Chad is coming on to partner with our staff. He'll be our spiritual formation pastor. He'll be preaching once a month uh, to start here and uh, we will be doing ministry together and we'll do ministry together with all who come from Cross of Christ. So in that way, it's like a marriage. In another sense, it's like an adoption because you've sold your church building and you're coming under the Mercy Road flag. But I really think it's more like a marriage, though both metaphors work. And so when I preach at weddings, I have this funny little thing called a wedding message scripture selection tool that I'll send to the couples I'm working with for premarital, and they can see all the different scriptures that I could write a message for them on that would go into their wedding. And so I pulled out the wedding scripture selection tool for today, and I, I chose a scripture from the letter to the church in uh, Colossia, Colossians. So we'll be in Colossians chapter 3, and really, I want to validate uh, what some people might be feeling right now. Will this work? Will this merger work? How, how do you know that? I often say that to the couple when I preach on this text. Will this marriage work? That makes them really nervous, right? But, but it's something we should ask, right? And I think, oddly enough, that it is the clothing that we wear, of all things, that will determine, as much as anything, whether or not this works. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about our physical clothes, but, but the scripture and the Apostle Paul have something to say here. Uh, let me read from Colossians 3, 12 through 14. For context, the Apostle Paul has just finished a little section where he said, put to death your sinful nature. And he gives a laundry list of things that we're supposed to be busy putting to death, killing off in our lives. And that Greek word, put to death, morteo, is where we get the word mortgage from. And so that's a relief when I learned that because it means you're not going to be perfect right away. You pay off, you kill off it by increment, just like you would pay off a mortgage. Slowly you make progress in putting these things to death. But it's not just about you putting to death earthly things like greed and lust and idolatry and rage and all those things. You're actually supposed to put something on, and that's where we pick up the scripture. Let me read this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is God's word. If you're taking notes, I'd like to suggest that the only clothing that counts, the only clothes that count, are your virtue, your love, and your unity. That's what he's saying. 
When I was in junior high school, I've shared this with some of you at Cross of Christ already, my mom used to drive me to McGuire Junior High School, and there is an intersection, Holyoke and 210. And at that intersection, at that stop sign, my mom would grab my hand, whether I wanted to or not, and she said, this is our prayer intersection. And she would pray for, for my day at school. And you know, that was touching at the time. I was a follower of Jesus. But moms like to pray longer than you would like, right? And so sometimes we'd back up traffic and just sit there. And then I would picture, I hope it doesn't happen again, like last time where she prays all the way through the intersection and drops me off at school and I'm halfway out the car door, let go! Because that's not a cool look when you're in junior high to have your mommy hold your hand praying for you really loudly. And, and that was the prayer intersection. And so it was a blessing, but I would always look at this big A-frame church building while she was doing that. And I kind of got a negative association because I, I would look at that church and she's praying for me. And I never in a million years would have thought that I would be a pastor one day and merge with the that church, and it was actually St. John's Lutheran at the time, and then Cross of Christ bought it, and the pastor, it's just beautiful how God brought it all together. But one day, I really remember having a conversation. I cut the prayer short. Okay, enough praying, praying, and I offered a complaint from the complaint department, as kids in junior high do. What was the complaint? Mom, why do I have to shop with Dad at Fleet Farm? I, I don't have any cool clothes. I, you know, they were big on just having the generic clothing. Thanks, Mom and Dad. They're right there. Um, and, you know, she said something to the equivalent of, Mike, Michael, <laughs> it's your character that counts, not your clothing. It's not about how you look on the outside. It, it's who you're becoming on the inside, to which any junior high school student would say, have you ever been to junior high? They don't care about what's on the inside. They just care if you have cool Nikes or the right jeans or whatever. I have none of those things. Now, this was the first stage in the journey of clothing, physical clothing for me. I would go on to uh, join the military and wear a uniform. And I loved those years. You didn't have to think about it. But then that gave me a disability, a fashion disability, right? Because I didn't know how to dress myself, and so that was hard, and it took me a few years to figure that out, and sometimes Erica still tells me, nope, go back, that doesn't go together. Um, <laughs> Cross of Christ, as you join Mercy Road Church, and we welcome you into this family as, as this marriage and adoption happens, know that we don't care what you wear. Um, some of you who watch online, may, maybe you're watching online because you live far away, or it's a health concern with COVID, and we respect that. But if you ever are watching online because you feel like you don't have cool clothes, <laughs> don't worry. You can wear your pajamas. You can wear a suit and tie. Whatever you want to wear, you can wear a mascot suit. We don't care about what you wear on the outside. But if this merger, if this church is to be effective and healthy and whole, if we're to really uh, fulfill the purposes that God has given to each of us as individuals and as a family of faith, we need to respect the dress code, not physically, spiritually. There's a spiritual dress code. This is what Paul is saying. He is saying that the only clothes that count are your virtue, your love, and your unity. What, what are the virtues? Well, he listed them. Compassion. Are you wearing the garment of compassion on a daily basis? Kindness. Humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself 
or more of yourself, but thinking of yourself less often. But that's something you want to put on every day. Intentionally, are you wearing the virtue of gentleness? A lot of people in this season of COVID-19 and an election year and with all the racial tensions and just different opinions, we're anything but gentle. But we're supposed to wear that. And the funny thing about clothes is that you need to change them every day and put them on, right? You know, I just got back from a guy's trip weekend. We played some golf and did some fishing. It was really good for my soul. And I packed poorly. I, I didn't pack enough clothes. And that was an interesting problem because, you know, you just, you kind of smell, right? You know, if you don't wear your clothes and you don't have enough clothes and you don't daily make a decision to put on the right clothes. So will we daily put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience? And then he goes on to say not just these virtues, but love, love binds it all together. Apparently, in fashion, there's something that can bind the whole outfit together, and that's what love is. And he says that when we wear these garments, there will be a beautiful unity in the church body. Will we succeed as a merger? Will we be healthy? Well, it depends on what we wear. Secondly, God wants you to learn how to dress yourself. My children, all three of them, have been very resistant as we've raised them to being taught how to dress themselves. And, and I, I thought, why wouldn't you want to know how to put on your own clothes? But then I thought, you know, I think kings, ancient royalty, they never learned how to dress themselves. They just had attendants to kind of dress and undress them. I mean, that probably would be the life, I suppose. And so we've really had to push our kids. And then like some of them will, it doesn't matter if it's on right. The tag's right here. Ah, oh, they don't care. You know, well, it does kind of matter. You know, um, we're working with them and they're slow learners in this. And I'm a slow learner learning how to dress myself. There are many days when I walk out ready to preach and my wife Erica just says, no. Those don't, no, what do, you, what do you think? No, that's not. But I thought it doesn't matter how, what we look like, honey, right? Yeah, but no. <laughs> and, she'll, and she'll pick out something else, right? Have you learned how to dress yourself to put that on? It's harder than you'd think, right? Because it's a daily thing. But think about how beautiful and appropriate the metaphor is because every day you do have to decide. And, and, not to stereotype a lot of guys, just look for whatever clothes are not on the floor or not clean or not dirty, and then I guess that'll do. Some women do that too. Um, but, but some of you, you know, you stand in front of the closet and you really, this is a big decision in your day. Is it this one? Is it that one? No, no, no. What if we put the same amount of time into waking up and saying, God, I get to decide how I spiritually dressed today. I can dress in a garment of judgmentalism, greed, lust, rage, jealousy, complaining, or I could put on your virtues. With your help, I could actually wear compassion and kindness. Now that's easier said than done, and God wants to walk with us. He wants to teach us how to dress ourselves. But how do you learn any skill, really, if you think about it? Any of you learned a new skill during COVID, maybe learned baking or woodworking? Well, you have to do it over and over, and you have to gradually increase the resistance, make it harder, right? Well, how would you learn 
how to put on the garment of gentleness, where you'd have to actually put yourself in a community of people where the only appropriate response in the situation you're currently serving in is of gentleness. When you get real invested and real transparent with other people, you find yourself in situations where it becomes really obvious that right now a harsh word is not what this person needs because that tear just rolled down them and they're in real pain because their marriage is about to break apart. Part of the problem with the church today, and I would put Mercy Road Church in this, we're not completely innocent of this, is that we can fall into kind of a consumer Christianity. You know, I was humbled to, to look at our little analytics. We had 7,000 views of the message last week. Isn't that crazy? We love all you people watching, and we don't know exactly who you all are. And we welcome you to continue to watch the messages here at Mercy Road, but there is no substitute for Christian community that is transparent and real, and you do life together. We all know this at a gut level, that it's not just about listening to a preacher preach or a message or being enlightened. It's about applying that in Christian community. That's how we learn the skill of learning how to dress ourselves. That's why we come and gather in person regularly. That's why we do life together and join small groups and have accountability partners and write each other notes and check in and call and text and we read the scriptures not just by ourselves but together. We're learning how to dress ourselves. Are you? Will you? The third point I'd like to make is so important. But before I make it, I'd like to... uh, share a little story. We were on our anniversary trip last year, and we were staying in a fancy hotel, my wife and I, in Minneapolis. This is before COVID and the riots and all of it. And so, you know, no social distancing, no masks. It was, remember that? That was great. Um, and we, we were just waiting for a fancy dinner reservation. We showed up a little early downtown, and so we started to shop. And we went into a very expensive clothing store just because there weren't that many stores. And I'm, you know, kind of the fleet farm shopping type, you know, so this was out of my element. The guy at the, like, central place, it's not a register, it's like a nice little leather desk or something, and you could just tell, he looked at me like, you're not supposed to be here. And I kind of returned his, like, I know, I'm just, I'm just killing time here. And I walked up to a sport coat. And I felt this thing, and it felt like an alien texture. My fingers have never felt this wonderful of fabric. It was like, wow. And it looked really cool. I'm not into clothes, but that's cool. And so I grabbed it, and I'm about to try it on. And you could see he almost ran to me because this was clearly disturbing the man. You could just see, like, he goes, oh, and he kind of grabbed it for me. He's like, yeah, do you like this? And I said, yeah, that's really great. And he could tell I kind of was wanting to try it on, and it was almost painful for him. Would, would you like to try it on, sir? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And the way he so carefully put this on me, like, like it's a bomb or something. <laughs> and then he kind of sat back, and he, like, I went to button, he, he did the button, right? And then he stood back, but not that far, you know? And I said, this is amazing. It just feels, and you could just tell I was making him nervous, and he said, I said, how much is this? And he goes, oh, that, that one is uh, $3,200. And I, and I instantly froze, like, oh, no. 
Like, I mean, I spill mustard on myself when I'm not even eating a hot dog. Like, it's just like, okay, okay. And so like, we were in a predicament. I look at him like, you know, it was kind of like, get it off me, right? And, and I mean, he just, we both understood each other. He got it off me and put it back. And like, I backed up and we went on our way. $3,200 for a sport coat? Are you kidding me? That wasn't even the most expensive garment in the store. We just went around looking at price tags. Here's the, why am I saying that? Here's the point. Apart from a savior, we cannot buy or even rightly wear the only clothes that count. So if the command from the Apostle Paul is to put on all these garments of love, forgiveness, all these virtues, here's the bad news. You can't afford them. Just like I could never afford to buy all those clothes in that store. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is not only that Jesus died so that you can go to heaven when you die. He died to purchase you a whole wardrobe full of the most expensive, beautiful garments, the garments that really count, the garments of love and virtue and forgiveness. Because on your own, you just can't buy them. They're too expensive. What do I mean by that? What do you mean? They're not real clothes, Pastor Mike, it's a metaphor, I know, but you can't do that. You, you literally can't put on perfect forgiveness on your own. And you know this is true, some of you, because some of you have had such terrible things happen or done to you that even to this day, it is such a struggle to daily put on the garment of forgiveness towards that person. Even today, even years later, you find yourself secretly wishing misfortune on that person because of what he did or she did isn't that true? Malcolm Gladwell is an intellectual uh, writer, I believe at the New Yorker, a uh, very liberal, progressive person, not a believer, but very insightful author. I've read a few of his books. And as a journalist, he's just in, in extremely articulate and educated. Uh, recently, he was doing a research project and for his upcoming book, and he found a couple that agreed to sit down to do a, a research interview because he was covering a theme of forgiveness in his book. You see, this couple had a teenage daughter and somebody, a man, kidnapped, raped, and killed her. And he's sitting with these parents and their heart is just broken. It's fairly recent. And he, and he asks, how, how do you move on from something like this? What, how are you feeling? And, and um, they had a hard time answering, according to the interview or the article I read. But basically, the dad just said, you know, to your question, Malcolm, about would I ever meet him face to face, I would meet him. Why? What would you have to say to him? I, well, I, I would meet him to tell him about the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. Because clearly, that is the thing that he is missing. Because if, if he knew about the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus, he wouldn't have done this. And this Malcolm is just floored. And then the subject of forgiveness comes up and they start talking about forgiveness. And, and the mother says in response to a question, she said, yes, I, I will forgive him. She said, but not, not me. I can't on my own. I, I'm told to. We're told to very clearly here. Bear with each other. So that's kind of for the small grievances. 
Just bear, be patient, like hang on. Put up with each other. But then, and forgive one another if any of you has a significant grievance against someone. Why? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And that's what she told Malcolm. And she said, God will need to help me and this will be a daily thing. But yes, because God has forgiven me and forgiven the world, I'm called to forgive. This stuck with this journalist, Malcolm Gladwell, so much that a few years later, he accepted Christ, and now he's a Christian. And, and he shocked kind of the intellectual world because these types don't kind of commit social suicide by becoming a follower of Christ. And he points to, in an interview with Christianity Today, this was the interview, these people, I looked at them and I just couldn't understand what power they had accessed. How could they put on that virtue of forgiveness in that setting? Look what he did to their little girl. He took their girl away I mean, I wanted that. Apart from a savior, we cannot buy the clothes we're supposed to wear. And even if we could, we wouldn't know how to wear them. Even if for some crazy reason I bought a $3,200 sport coat, I don't even think I'd know how to wear it. I had to ask the guy, like, do you button this one or that one or no? And he just kind of rolled his eyes. Of course, you leave the bottom one undone, sir. You know, it's like... Jesus came in a physical form. He, he was a human being, interjected himself into our human history, and every day of his life, he stood before the metaphorical closet, and he picked the right garments, and he wore them consistently. And he showed us how to, how to wear them. Think about love, the garment of love for a minute. It's not just an easy thing to say, oh, go be loving. Well, sometimes love needs to confront people and hold them accountable, and it's really hard. And if you don't like conflict, you're wiring your personality, that'll be so hard for you, and you'll deceive yourself and say, no, the loving thing to do is never hold anyone accountable. It's just to be nice, and you'll confuse love with tolerance. And sometimes love needs to just be quiet, and if you're a talker, you're gonna get that wrong, and you're gonna wear the garment of love wrong. Jesus models in the Gospels how not only to purchase these garments for the entire world and his death. In his life, he models how to wear them. And if we're followers of Jesus together, learning how to dress ourselves, he's gonna teach us. Have you learned to dress yourself? Do you realize that on your own, you can't even afford the clothes you need to wear, let alone know how to wear them? And lastly, it's just a simple question. Will we choose to dress for success, Mercy Road? I've been in conversations with other pastors, friends from around the country, and we've, we've kind of asked ourselves the question, what does success look like in a COVID-19 world? I mean, how, is it good that we have these thousands of people watching online and a fraction of that coming in person? And how would you even disciple them? What is success? Well, the Apostle Paul kind of spells it out here. Success is putting to death the sin that lurks within us with God's help, incrementally, like paying off a mortgage, rejecting the things that, that would hold us captive or make us hypocritical or bring death and destruction in our life. And it's daily putting on these virtues and, and the love that brings the whole outfit together, realizing that because of the gospel, God loves us. Here's the problem Mercy Road, you might say, yes, we will dress for success, but if you try to do this on your own, 
one of two things will happen. You'll either get good at putting on these garments to some extent, and, and, and you're gonna like the way you look, like that suit guy, right? And you're gonna look down at your sport coat, your $3,200 sport coat, and you're gonna get proud. And you're gonna compare yourself to others. Look how she's dressed. You're gonna become a spiritual junior higher. And you'll have lost the very virtue of humility and love. You'll think too highly of yourself. Or if, to the extreme opposite, you're not very good at putting on these garments and you can't dress yourself, like I don't have any fashion sense in real life, you're gonna start to feel bad about yourself. But in both instances, you are the common theme. You'll be self-absorbed. And when you're always looking at you and always thinking about how you're dressed, you're never free to just love other people and to love God. Have you ever showed up to an event and you're clearly not dressed properly for the event? It's super uncomfortable, right? And you're always just thinking about, oh. God wants you to not think less of yourself or more of yourself, but to think of yourself less often because you're so captured by the love that he has for you. You're so in love with him and you're so eager to serve other people and to do that there is a spiritual wardrobe. Will we wear it? Lord, I ask that you would help every one of us for the next however many days that this sermon rattles around in our minds. I pray that as we stand before our closet or our dresser or our suitcase and we consider what we're physically going to wear, we would take a moment at the beginning of our day and remind our hearts to dress for success, the success that matters, telling people about you, knowing you more deeply, serving and loving others. Help us to put on these garments, these garments that you purchased for us. Teach us how to dress ourselves and to wear them rightly. Forgive us for the times, Lord, that we have put all the focus on the external parts of life, like what we physically wear Teach us to dress like your son. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.